Well, hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of Overtime. Uh, you should be hearing us loud and clear, seeing us completely fine, had some tech issues today, but hopefully you don't know anything of that. So we're glad that you're here. What Overtime is, is basically our weekly production where we get to do a deeper dive into the weekend message. So it's a podcast that we do pretty much every week. Started a brand new series this past Sunday called I'm In, so we're excited to kind of review that and start talking about that as we continue through the book of Luke. Um, but before we do that, we just wanted to draw your attention to this coming Thursday. So as we're recording this, this is April 20th. On April 22nd, we are going to be actually doing our, our vision video. Normally we do that on the third Thursday, but just because of the way that April fell, because of some details that we are still working through, we actually changed that for this month specifically to not be on the third Thursday, but to be on the fourth Thursday. So again, April 22nd is our, our vision Thursday. That'll be live at eight o'clock. You can catch that live on our website, usually on Facebook. Um, you can also catch that on demand afterwards if you can't watch it live at eight o'clock on Thursday. You can go to our website, probably about 20, 25 minutes in length, um, and you can kind of hear all of the different things that are happening within the church. Some of the things that we'll be talking about this week is that we've had a lot of questions kind of with uh, COVID protocols as you know, a lot of people starting to get vaccinated. Are there any plans? Are there any ideas about moving forward? Any type of different, um, plans that we'll do. So we want to try and cover all of that and answer any questions this coming Thursday. So we want to encourage you to be a part of that. So that's this Thursday, again, eight o'clock. It's April 22nd. We hope that you can be a part of that discussion or check it out later. So with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into kind of our weekly recap as we started a brand new series. So do you want to jump yeah, in? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for leaning in. If you have uh, been watching us for a while, I've been uh, going at this about an hour trying to get it all situated. Hopefully, uh, uh, you, everything's going okay on your end. Um, yeah, new series called I'm In. And uh, so what, the big premise, and if you would have uh, hopefully already watched the sermon, you would have seen kind of the little promo or bumper video play out right before the sermon started. And, uh, and kind of what you saw was this fire going and this briquette kind of being placed into the fire, which is kind of the opposite of what I think has been happening in our culture and, and our you know, our nation or in, in, in our churches right now. And so kind of the, the thought is whenever you put out a fire, right? So whenever you plan to, like if you're camping or whatever else, maybe even in your home, the way by which you distinguish a fire before, you know, all the fuels burn out the wood is the, the, the coal is you actually can go in, particularly in a campfire, and you can actually use a poker or a stick and separate all the different pieces of wood. And what happens when the pieces of wood get separated, they all kind of, burn out pretty quick but if you keep it in together it burns hot for a while and and yeah. so what i've been thinking about what's been going on in our world as related to the pandemic even in our church is it certainly seems like uh, there's been a a real season of um separation and in that season of separation it certainly feels like flames have kind of burned out maybe you felt that personally of things that you're excited about passionate about kind of feel a little bit more dull and there's actually a new term that psychologists are using using calling languishing this idea that something just seems a little off and I, what i wonder and i think that we're onto something here is that uh with the separation of our people separation from our the people that we love separation in our churches that these fan these flames have just not continued to be fanned and instead just flamed out right and so this whole series is kind of how do we help each other lean all the way back in, right? How do we help each of us get right back into the middle of 
of the fire, right? Right back into the middle of kind of a movement. And so what we've been seeing is how movements start and stop and all kind of stuff. And what I've told you about changes, it seems to be a slow creep, then a massive plunge, and maybe the inverse operation is the slow creep into a massive launch. And so we've been reading the scriptures going, I see some moments where God kind of hits the ignition switch. Long, long fuse is burned, and then all of a sudden, there's this power, like dynamite, so a dunamis power in the Greek that we see Jesus kind of implement into his people. And what if, and I think it's the case, that same power is available to us. And what if over the last year, God has been preparing us for what he has prepared for us? I think that's the case. And so going, how in the world do we lean in fully and experience kind of that white hot faith within our church and in our families and in our own souls? And so the series is about how do we experience that that kind of movement? And I share with you a Sunday that uh, uh, so we reading through the, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, a little bit of chapter 10, so we can spend journeying on, but I'm also um, going to be using this book called Movements. Now, I, uh, for me, it's I want the Bible to teach you. I want you to hear the scriptures. I want you to hear Jesus' words, not necessarily my opinions or books' opinions, but there is this writer named Steve Addison. He's a researcher, and even in his doctoral research, he kind of studied movements uh, throughout the history of the world, particularly he started studying Christian movements, and he kind of found throughout the first century all the way to now, and the movements were this white, this fame, this flame has been fanned, and it just burns hot, and everybody's jumped in. There's kind of five ingredients, and those five ingredients are white hot faith, being committed to a cause, contagious relationships, rapid mobilization, and adaptive methods. So, just as God's providence always does, his scriptures kind of highlight each of those things. And so as we're going to read this, we're just going to kind of make some observations of that. So this week we kind of talked about white hot faith. What does it look like to have this moment where you go, God is God and he is enough. And so the big idea of this week was we actually see that God's enough. We see that God is limitless when we meet our limits mm-hmm. or it's in our limitations that in our in our limitation that we see God's salvation and so we got to look at was the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 which is just such a funny story I wish I could have spent more time laughing about it Jesus shows up and this uh, kind of a new region that he hadn't spent much time in but this is where a couple of his disciples kind of this is their you know their hometown so they show up there and they're planning on having kind of a retreat instead of having a retreat a bunch of people show up actually um, and we figured about 20,000 people and Jesus starts preaching and he's probably teaching for a while and most people are really excited about long preaching and long teaching but occasionally some people go well, you finish up, I'm hungry. And so what I think's happened is the disciples go to Jesus and go, hey, I think um, I think we should feed some people. I think they're probably hungry, but, you know, they're, they're trying to spin it and go, we got to feed some people. And Jesus goes, you feed them. And they're going, we have nothing to feed them. In other words, we are very limited on our supplies, and we can't afford this. And it's in that moment where we see this, this ignition switch happen, this where our faith in Jesus and his faithfulness collide and something supernatural happens. All 20,000 of the people are fed and, and, and satisfied. So what we looked at was what does it look like to be bring our limits, acknowledge our limits, bring them before Jesus, have it be acknowledged that we are filled with limits, have tons of incapabilities, all for what we do have back to Jesus, have him bless it. And in that gap, that brokenness and that division, see him fill the gap and watch supernatural things happen. So that's what we got to see this Sunday. Got to make some observations about it. And now we get to make some more today and answer your questions. Yeah. So I actually want to jump into one of those questions right away because it kind of talks about something that you had brought up in the very beginning. You talked about how there's something going on, that God's at work. And one of the Uh, One of our listeners said this. It says, Hi, Pastor Josh opened his sermon with 
comments about how the pruning is over, something's going on, that God is at work, and it's the spirit of the living God that we are feeling. And this is basically their question. Are you free uh, to more specifically talk about how God is at work in our midst? Yeah, sorry, I was giving uh, producer Christian a thumbs up. <laughs> We're running it through a completely different system. Got a good, we got a good crew here. Uh, so one of the things is I don't think the pruning's over. I, uh, I, I don't think pruning's ever over, just yeah. to be honest with you. It's just the process of sanctification. But like in growth, there's times of pruning and there's times of fruit. I think we've walked through a time of pruning, both our nation, but definitely our church, definitely me personally, my own family, right? Walked through a time of pruning, and now, now I'm experiencing a time of fruit, right? So there's a vision video coming out on Thursday. I'm actually going to type up a letter for our next quarterly newsletter, and it will open with, this has been the best season of my life. Mm. I am 40, and it is glorious, right? I feel like the sun has come out, the rain has stopped, like that Noah moment of going, I don't know that I'm off the boat yet, but boy, is it glorious. And so that's just been the season. So um, so when I tell you that, I, I tell it to you um, experientially, right, that I'm actually experiencing it. But I, in, in my spirit, I also, like I'm hearing the Lord say this. And what's interesting is like, this, these are new muscles for me. I, I was sharing in a discipleship class last night that like, these are new muscles. Like I've always loved God's word. I've loved teaching it. And I've been a Bible only guy for a long, long time. I love the scriptures, love the scriptures. I think God's word is here and that faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of Christ. So here you are reading it. So I love, love, love the scriptures. And I've always been kind of curious about the prophetic giftings and even like the spirit filled movements out there. And I've kind of been saying, I think our church is moving more, not, you know, maybe charismatic without the crazy definitely spirit filled but <laughs> there's just something as we've been talking about for for months now that the way that the kingdom ushered in first we hear about it right like you hear it you hear it declared jesus declares it through his word faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of christ and then you think about it there that thinking that metanoia that's what the word means in the scriptures is literally where we get the word repentance and then after thinking about it boy have i been thinking about it for 15 months right then all of a sudden the way that it gets ushered in jesus actually gave them his power and told them to go proclaim the kingdom of god and so i just feel like we're in the season of proclaiming this stuff. So, so, so I've been teaching this here, think, speak. This is actually just what my world has looked like. So I feel like we've been in a season of speaking it. And it certainly feels like that God's going to bring about what only he can bring about as we trust him and declare his goodness and give him credit for the blessings in our life and that we turn back to like worshiping him. And so um, throughout the generations, there's kind of been this uh, pendulum swing, I think, between these two really big pillars of who God is. God is holy and perfect and he is gracious and loving, right? All the time, all of them. And throughout the centuries, there almost always seems to be this overcorrection of, let's all focus on God's holiness. We should fear him. Yes, you should. We should worship him. Yes, you should. But in God is this sinners in the hands of an angry God, right? That, that fear and reverence that we should have. And then when that gets so hefty what tends to happen is there's this overcorrection into grace right this uh, God is love and he is gracious and boy is he gracious and all that's true and what it feels like is there's been this season of this long like not that it could be more than gracious but this this season where we focus on God's grace and his love and not his reverence and who he is and I just fear like I feel like there's this sense of the fear of the Lord that's kind of coming over us not in a, not in a bad way but kind of in that perfect tension of grace and truth or what we'll talk about next week is duty and desire right to to glorify God duty and desire and to enjoy him forever and so there's just seems to be these ebbs and flows and it feels like there's just this this 
adjustment to just talk about and see and experience God's holiness and his goodness, right? And see him at work. So we're just speaking about it. I'm just trusting that it's bringing about it. And I feel like what we've done is we've kind of contained God in the spirit and goes, no, this is the Sundays that you work in. Mm-hmm. This is the hour or hour and 15 minutes or hour and a half you get. Here's the songs you're going to use. Here's the programs. And just feel like God is just going Hey, no, no, no. I'm much bigger than that. And as you start to speak this and believe it, you're going to see it. So it's been so neat. I've, I've been really, really studying that. Thanks for asking the question. I'm, I'm still on it, I promise. Um, <laughs> kind of the prophetic voice and wrestling through. God, God what does that like, prophecy look like in 2021? Do you still use your people to speak? And what does that look like? And I was talking to a, a wise uh, counselor yesterday on this and made some observations that typically the way that prophecy works is it actually just confirms kind of what's already inside you. Not so it's like, ah, I have these things. Boy, it'd be nice to know God is not the right direction. And then it's just mm-hmm. confirmed, right? So that, that prophecy just has this real great role of confirming some things that are already in my spirit. And so I finished up that the call talking about prophecy of all things. And uh, you don't know this. And I get this email uh, from overtime that gets forwarded. And from one of what I would say is one of the kind of the prophetic voices, loves Jesus, loves his spirit, serves him well, prays uh, for our church, prays for us, praise for our staff, praise for all those things. And what she shared is yesterday, uh, su- Sunday in the church service, she just felt like she was hearing this statement that said, let me out. Mm-hmm. And she saw this vision of this tomb. By the way, I think and we're talking about is Jesus going, let me out. Like, mm-hmm. let me out of the box in this tomb. But the interesting about the tomb is that the rocks were covering it. And I'm like, I haven't seen the image. I'll tell you, I'm feeling all this right now. But that's just kind of been innately in me that we have we have contained God to a Sunday morning and he's going I don't need your Sunday morning let me out and so that's just kind of been this how do we speak the name of Jesus how do we let him out in our workplace in our home and in our you know our families and our you know and all every part of our life and I just feel like what what she shared that vision and that thing she was seeing and hearing is exactly what's going on in the spirit is as we start to let Jesus out of us as we start to speak his glory and his goodness, it just feels like that's what's about to, about to just play out. And so when I tell you that it's happening, I'm just I'm hearing the rumbles of it. And what I love, I love, I love, there's this other image that is so so beautiful. This was in my call yesterday, I was talking, and they are saying, I just see this, this picture of a tiny little cloud. And I'm like, that's so crazy, you're talking about a tiny little cloud. Because on Sunday I said, you know, hey, God is always doing something big. Even when it seems really small, he's always yeah. doing something big. And what I alluded to was that seed. The word of Christ is like a seed that goes into our heart and starts to grow. So it might be look like a tiny seed, but it's growing. But what I actually, and someone said, I love that thought because he's always doing something big and we can't see it. I'm like, yeah, it reminds me of that moment when, uh, you know, Elijah's told Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. not Nebuchadnezzar, uh, oh my goodness, Ahab, and that there's going to be this drought for seven years, but then he hears that God's going, I'm going to, I'm going to bring the rain, right? And I'm going to fill your land, and it just feels that way. And so Elijah gets this word. He's like, ah, oh, God's about to come, and he sends a servant and go, goes look for the clouds. Yeah. And the servant keeps going out one time after another time after another, another time, and he keeps coming back and goes, nothing's there. And then finally on the seventh time, remember that number from this week, this number of just, you know, perfection. And on the seventh time, the servant comes back, and Elijah's going to get so excited, and he's going to take off. But it says he saw a steel, like not a steel, saw a, a small cloud the size of a hand. <laughs> a hand's a tiny cloud. And it's like, but it was about to usher in this rain, and it just feels like the season. Remember? So someone was saying, I just see this small cloud. I'm going, that's it. There's this cloud, and it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And so this is, this is all brand new, and I feel a little bit crazy, and yet my spirit <laughs> is going, no, Josh, that's what's coming. And so great question. What you're hearing yeah. me talk about is what? 
that's just been going on and in, in my soul over the last 15 or 16 months it's been hard and there were droughts and it just feels like the rain is coming and so that that's where it comes from and so anyway that i feel like yeah. maybe as a follow-up question what would you say for somebody that maybe is listening to that and is excited for yeah. that or wants to be excited for that but for them they feel like they're still in a season of drought like what encouragement i guess would you have for them uh, at that point like because it's one thing to hear it, it's another thing to believe it. Like, how, how Yeah, great question, great question. That? And boy, have I been there. And so um, I would just say, if you're in a season of that, of pruning, I would just say don't fight it, mm. right? Like, that's what I did for a while. I just wanted to fight it. I wanted to fight for my reputation and going, that's not true. That's not honest. That is painful, and that hurts people that I love. Like, those things, and going, yeah. you know, and just going, and it just felt like I kept saying, just be still. Be still. Don't wallow. Don't whine. Just be still, and I'll mm. fight for you, right? And so there was just a, a season of that I just, you know, what I'd say is probably feels like this is fighting and so I love what Jesus says when he brings us this spirit and it's so beautiful like this is the beautiful passage where he's about to tell us that he, I mean, he tells us he's leaving us but he says don't worry I'm giving you another the, the paraclete the comforter and then he says this is so beautiful and this is the same same energy at the pruning he talks about being the vine the vine dresser and all those things and all he says is uh, abide in me remain mm -hmm. in me and uh, because apart from me, you can do nothing and so I would just say if you're in a season of drought would you just just be enveloped in God right now. Just allow Him to love you and meet you where you are. Sit still in your pain and be honest with God and let Him speak to it because there's something about abiding or remaining. And as you sit there, so, so beautiful. And I always tell this analogy about like having a kid who's just, you know, lost all control, who's so angry and you, like your child, and you're just sitting there and you're going, I love you, I love you, I love you. And now they kind of slow down, what kind of happens is, they're sitting in your lap and they're just kind of finally this peace. And what's really neat is as they sit there, they see the same perspective as their father. And so there's just something I say, I just would say, just abide and <laughs> remain. But then I wouldn't just say, just do that. I would start telling you to remind yourself, like dead serious, like look in the mirror and go, Josh, the God of the universe loves you. The God of the universe has you on this planet still today and he's put you on this planet today because he has good in store for you. And so there's something about not just thinking it, but speaking it. And maybe the first person you got to speak these things to is yourself. And it might sound crazy or weird. And I'm actually, I met with someone last week who gave this advice to a loved one that just was struggling, going, hey, you should pray. Well, I have a hard time praying. How about you pray out loud? Pray out loud, right? And just pray these things. So I just say, like, it sounds weird, but what if it's true? What if it is? We hear these things, we think them, and we start to speak them when they bring about. And so that's what I offer you. Rest in Jesus and remind yourself of his goodness out loud. That's good. I, I want to jump. Yep. There's We had three total questions, and there may yep. be some that show up live. Um, we'll try and get to those as well. Um, in fact, there is. I'll read that in just yeah, a moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, one of the questions from one of our listeners said, um, kind of pressing in a little bit further to part of what we were just talking about. Josh said to take our limits to Jesus and ask him to bless and break and distribute them to others, much like he did with the bread at the Last Supper. I get it that we take our failures to Jesus ask him to bless and share our successes with others. But I need help understanding the break part. Yeah, I, and to be honest with you, I wish I would have had more time to spend there. Good question, and I hope this helps. And so when we think about breaking, let's think specifically about what Jesus was doing. And so I, I wrestled with that word because it was like divide. I didn't like the word divide. I just didn't like the word divide or division, but that's kind of what it is. And so when we think about the breaking, what we know is they're parts of a whole, right? And so the bread, parts of a whole. There are two parts. 
that were whole, they felt broken. And so kind of what we're doing when we take our limitations to Jesus is we are acknowledging that we are not whole, that we're not capable and all this stuff. So what we're doing is we're actually coming to Jesus and going, I acknowledge that I can't meet this. My load is greater than my limits, and I cannot solve this. By the way, that's uh, Andy Stanley's definition of margin, when, uh, or marginless. When uh, margin is your load, you know, based on your limits. So whenever your load gets higher than your limits, that means you have no margin. And so, when as we think about this, what I want you to think about is we usually don't like talking about our limits. We don't like talking about where we struggle. But what if? What we're always doing is just constantly reminding ourselves and acknowledging our limitations and bringing those to Jesus and go, I know this isn't enough. Yeah. I know I'm not enough, yeah. right? And we bring that and go, God, but I, I want to be a blessing to others. Would you take who I am and allow me to operate with my limitations? So in the idea of what we see with, with Jesus breaking the bread is they already understood that they had some limitations. Yeah. But the reality is, and this is so important that you get this, your limitations are a lot greater than what you think they are. Mm-hmm. So something about going to Jesus and going, God, would you bless me? But can we have like the real uh, courage to just sit still bare and barren in front mm-hmm. of Jesus and actually go, wow, I'm actually more broken than I actually came to this. And I'm more loved. And the reason this is so important is because as we think about it in terms of God being uh, giving us his authority and power and we're being a conduit, the goal of all that is he wants all the credit. He wanted all the credit for the 20,000 fed. He wanted all the credit. And so when we come to Jesus and ask him to bless our limitations and sit still before him and and can candidly go, wow, what a wretch in man I am. That's where Paul came. He brought his limitations. Who can save this broken body? He comes to him. And then he goes, but be to Christ Jesus. So there's something about bringing our limitations to Jesus, sitting still before him, allowing him to bless us, and then actually realize we're actually more broken than whatever. It is. Allow Jesus and allow His Spirit to break us, to help us understand our inadequacies and our incapabilities, because that's the true story of the gospel. We are far more broken than we ever want to admit, but we are far more loved than we'll ever understand. I think that's Tim Keller's statement, not mine. And so that's what I meant by brokenness. And I didn't get to really spend some time mm-hmm. on it going, what we're doing is we're going to God and going, I got $6 yeah. and I got a mortgage and you want me to trust you with my money here it is allow him to be the one who divides that up and not you allow him to be the one to break that apart go no take it and watch me because he wants the credit for it and so where god's credit always shows up is when we stop trying to take the credit so his credit shows up in our debits not when we're pretending that we're the ones doing those things so we just we acknowledge our limitations we bring them to god we allow him to expose all the limitations we go wow the only way this makes any sense is if it's a, if it's a work of the supernatural holy spirit then we see it so that's kind of the, the premise of that and thank yeah. you yeah. um i just want to say mags yeah. we're so glad that you're joining us thanks for uh, Mags is agreeing. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that you're agreeing. Um, she's pretty excited about what we're talking about. Thanks so for joining us. Thanks yeah, for yeah. joining us. Really appreciate that. Um, I do want to kind of jump into the text. So we probably I don't, I don't know how long we've been going. 20 think, minutes or so. Yeah. I think one, I think we started at 1.30. 1.30. Because I got to get down at 2.30 because I got to go pick up my daughter. So, <laughs> so uh, jumping into the text, which actually brings us to another question that was emailed to us. I love this. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, verse 10 says this. On their return, so basically, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples disciples, right? Yeah, so yeah. it breaks them into, sends them out. With lots of limitations. Yeah, yeah. There's and this is, we believe that it's it's many weeks, if yeah. not months, 
that they're out and then they're coming back, right? It's like the opposite of the, you know, the prizes you get on the car shows. And that's not all. Behind yeah. door number three. And, you yeah. know, like, and you get a car. Jesus is like, I don't want you to take your wallet. Okay. <laughs> or I don't want you to take your purse. Okay. Yeah. I don't want you to take a second pair of sandals. Yeah. Okay. I know, don't take an extra coat. Okay. Like, literally, yeah. like, there, it's the exact opposite of this great thing. And now he, go. He's like, oh. let me. No, no, you thought you were going to go with this and not feel an, a, yeah. adequate. Let me make you feel even more inadequate. And so that he literally breaks them in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. So, so that's kind of where we've been as we look at, again, we're in Luke 9. Um, that's kind of the first nine verses where he sends them out. So 10 is where we started yeah, our yeah. text yeah. this week. And this is what it says. It says, on their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and he withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. Bethsaida? How do you, how I don't do you know pronounce Beth, it? Some people say Bethsaida, Bethsaida, and some will actually like parse the A and I, Bethsaida, Saida, Saida, Saida. But anyway, whatever it is, it works. And so from that, so basically it's, it seems like a very simple verse. Yeah. Like, okay, Jesus. Three to five miles, they're yep. going to a new town. They're going away. Going away to the mountains for a retreat. Yes. Right? Yeah, going to the Poconos. But one of our listeners says this. It says, the apostles returned and they reported what they had done. This seems to imply that there was accountability with the authority given and when they were sent out. How should we be doing the same? So yes, it comes back and kind of debriefs. Yeah, like. so that's a good question. I, to be honest with you, I, I didn't get enough time to look back in that text. I don't know that I see the same implication of the accountability in it, mm -hmm. right? I guess what I would say, and, I, and, I, and honestly, I'm hearing this and going, oh, I probably should do some more work there. What it certainly seems to be is that they can't, they can't contain talking about it yeah. more than it is. Oh gosh, I got to give it. This isn't this isn't the book report, yeah, right? right? This isn't okay. I read the book. Now I got to stand in front of the class and do it. I don't think that's what we're seeing here. I don't. I think what they saw was such a great work that yeah. they couldn't help but speak about it. And to be honest with you, that's what I pray for our people yeah. that. Yeah. The speaking about it becomes such a normal part of it because what we're seeing is as we speak, we're seeing it brought about and we can't contain it. So what I, what I see this as personally is more of a, a cup that's overflowing. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks is what the scriptures say. Yeah. So to me, it says that it's more about they told him all that they had done. It's more like, Jesus, Jesus, you're not going to believe this because yeah. you're going to get later where he does it again. He goes, hey, hey, hey. He actually says the word don't rejoice in this, right. meaning he's seeing their joy. Instead, he goes, don't rejoice that angel, I mean, demons, you know, you know, uh, honor your words and uh, obey you. Rejoice that your name's written in yeah. the book. So there's something even greater than these works that you can rejoice in. So I see this as the the joy of their salvation coming yeah. out in that. So I think it's more that. Now, um, I personally do think that there's something really important about what creates tension gets your attention. Yeah. So for that piece, I do think accountability is really important. But the accountability is really important. They're probably going into this with a lot of accountability. One, yeah. they're not going to eat if... <laughs> If they, they don't, don't like, if they don't find yeah, people to go stay with, peace, right? Yeah. And they're not going to be able to obey what Jesus has told them to do. And so yeah. while I think this is um, indicating joy, I think you are correct in indicating that there is a level of tension yeah. that is created in this moment because they do know they're coming back at some point. And so yeah. that's why I think discipleship doesn't happen 
by yourself. It always happens in community because in the community there's tension, right? Mm -hmm. So if we both commit to doing something and know we're going to give a report to it the next week, we're much more likely to do it. And so what creates tension gets your attention. And so, or, and so what I shared on Sunday real briefly is there's kind of two moments that people seem to be most open to Jesus. One is intention, right? So when something's hard going on in your life, you don't have enough money, you, uh, you experience something really bad, you have to confess something, whatever it is. Those moments of tension, uh, they really do get your attention. Same thing with like a test. But the other thing is actually transition. When you're in a spot in your life where you acknowledge your limits, you've had a kid, you experience a death, a divorce, whatever it is. Those are just kind of these moments. And so I do think there's something really, really important about speaking your commitments mm. of obedience out loud. One, because you want to affirm those in yourself. But yeah, I do think it actually creates a spot where they're going, hey, I am going to have to come mm. back to Jesus. And he is probably going to be curious to what's going on. Yeah. So I understand what you're asking in terms of the implication there. So yes, accountability is really important. How do we do that? Well, we invite other people to speak into our life. What's really, really important is that um, that this is something that is mutually beneficial, right? I'm going to guard against this idea that you, someone sits on high, like me, or one of that goes, I'm going to make sure you behave. That's mm -hmm. not the goal of any of this. The goal is that we get to go bring about the kingdom of heaven and feeling the pressure to do it alongside people actually helps make this um, more applicable and more genuine. Yeah. Uh, one other question in regards to Luke uh, chapter 9, verse 10. It says, um, from the same listener it said this also in Luke 9 10 it says that they withdrew by themselves with Jesus mm, yeah um, though this was uh, was interrupted though this was interrupted by the crowds it would seem that this is another part of being sent that we should be doing should we, we not be taking time to withdraw to be with Jesus yeah so uh, we follow Jesus example uh, and in the pat in the scriptures it says often Jesus withdrew to the wilderness to pray hmm. And that word pray there literally means to exchange wishes, meaning we talk to God and we hear from God. Yeah. And so I would, well, I, I wouldn't guess, I know this because I get to have lots of conversations with lots of you. That's actually one of the things that many of us don't think we do is that we hear from God, right? And I would argue that the pace of our life and the way by which we move is actually in direct opposition for to our ability to hear from God, right? And so came from God unless you're in silence or in the scriptures. And you can't really listen to the scriptures if you got a bunch of noise going on. So practically, not just biblically, Jesus did this, we should do it, but practically, there has to be a way by which we pause and remind ourselves that we are not God, right? Really, really important. So if you go back all the way to the Israelites, when they heard about the Sabbath, they weren't like, oh, I gotta stop for a day. Like us, you know, American individuals you know, workaholics. They had been working seven days a week for their entire life as slaves. Yeah. And when they heard the news that they could pause for a day, they were celebratory. They're mm -hmm. very different than us in that. They were very relieved to finally get a moment because you know what they're saying? They can't even hear their own thoughts. Mm -hmm. You've said it, right? If I could just have a moment. And it's like, well, you have to actually schedule those moments. So yes, one of the deepest sins in our our culture, you and I, probably one of the highest levels of sin, of of commission, sin that we do, is at the highest level. Not that you don't trust God with your money, we got all these different things, not that you say bad words, or that you gossip, all those are things that God wants you, uh, that he wants to be Lord of and rule and reign and <laughs> relieve, release you from. But I would say probably the one where we model the worst behavior for our families is that we don't rest in Sabbath well. Mm. When Jesus said that he gave us the Sabbath, it's actually that he actually wants us to obey it. So, yes, we should withdraw often. In fact, there's a rhythm for it. 
Weekly, I would argue that you should withdraw for a day. Practically, I would argue that quarterly, you should get away from more than that. By the way, sorry I haven't modeled that well in preaching. I've been preaching every week of this 2021, but I will be off. Not this weekend, but next weekend. But come, come, come. I'll be here. We'll have five. And I, Christian will be teaching that week on the transfiguration. But, yep, you're right. We got to do it. We got to model it. And we got to hold each other accountable for it. So uh, I guess continuing on in this, and you're welcome to jump in. Like if you, I'm going to talk you've got I'm going to talk a lot. Yeah, so want to jump into the text. And really what we had was about seven verses that we were really focusing yeah, on. Yeah, and then we, we saw Mark. And then we went uh, to yep, Mark, yep. right. So this is kind of the story. If you haven't listened to it already, um, we would encourage you to always start there. But this is Jesus feeding the 5,000. So mm -hmm. he's basically withdrawing with his disciples. But then the crowds come and picking up at a, a verse 11, it says, When the crowds learned it, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had, uh, those who had need of healing. Verse 12, Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countrysides to look or to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. Should I pause there? Should I Man, keep going? Man, it's just like so funny because, I mean, I, I, I have to be really careful here because I could do a lot of eisegesis. I could imply what the text is saying and apply my own opinions to the text rather than yeah. exegesis, which allows them to, you know, come out of the text. Right, right. But I, I just know me well enough to know exactly why I'd be telling Jesus that, right? Jesus, we love these people. They're hungry. How about this? How about we send them away? Look. Like, remember, I, we came in for a retreat. Yeah, right. we're Like, we're supposed to be hanging out, playing pool, watching yeah. movies, and now we're doing this, and there's all these people, right? So I don't know how it plays out, but human nature just, I don't know, tells me that it certainly seems to be backwards. And Jesus' response right after this, go, you give them something to eat. It's like, whoa, that's so funny. So, yeah, I just think what we see here is we got some tension, and we definitely are going to acknowledge some limitations. Yeah. The word desolate there means without options. Yeah. This is what it means. So they're without options of places to eat. They have hit a wall where they don't have any solutions personally unless they send everybody away. Yeah. Right? So they're going to first, which is what you and I do, come up with a human plan to solve the problem. And Jesus doesn't want us to come up with a human plan to solve the problem. He wants us to lean into him and trust him with the plan. So we have this tension that happens between them. I can't help but wonder, so if, if the disciples are going to their oikos, their, their people group, yeah. their friends, their friend, family, like those that they're close to, I can't help but wonder if, like, is this crowd mostly made up of, like, people that they know or maybe, you know, not all of them, but are they like, oh, gosh, could you just send my cousin away? Like, yeah. could you just yeah. get rid of him? Like, yeah. just tell him to go home that and get something That snotty-nosed kid that belongs yeah. to my sister, <laughs> I need to get out of here. Yeah. They need to go. Yeah. That person smells. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I wonder. I, I can't help but think, but it's mm. the same thing. Yeah. Want want the text to speak for itself. But um, so verse 13, he said, but he said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, we have, uh, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. Um, and then you had talked about how it's in John, right? John, yeah, John 6, 6, 9, 6, yeah. Uh, where we see the, the boy that had five yeah, loaves and, and two fish. And his, yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know why Luke didn't find that important. I don't know. Right, and so the other thing is, we, we believe Matthew and Mark are already written. Yeah. Not, possibly not John. So this could be that okay. John is like, hey, I just need to tell you where this comes from, right? Okay. So I, don't, I don't have any okay. clue at all. 
But it certainly seems that Luke wants us to see the implausible and possible yeah. in this more than a lot of times we want to celebrate the faith of the little boy, which is yeah, really, really yeah. awesome, which I think is really neat to think about. But right now, what I just want us to see as a whole is yeah. they have met an insurmountable problem <laughs> yeah. that they cannot fix. I mean, there's just no way. you They're down sharp enough knives to even cut that in a spot. Yeah. Right. It and it and doesn't one of the Gospels talk about, like, don't they give a financial, like it would cost more than this? Or was that the feeding of the 4,000? Yeah, I don't know, but it's like a year's wages or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know offhand. Because I remember at one point, like, working through, like, uh, you know, tried to figure out how much that was. And it was, like, an absurd amount of money. And uh, that's not the point. The point is is that this is obviously a miracle that Jesus Yeah, so not only is that not the point that they can't afford it, but they can't even, they don't have access to it. Yeah, right. They don't. this is impossible. Yeah. The only solution is they send them away to fend for themselves. Yeah. And, and more than likely, people, they're probably not going to yeah, eat. Yeah. yeah. Some people get to eat. Whoever's yeah. first to the market or yeah. whoever can find. Oh no! Have you ever place, been to like, like a fast food place? Oh, I, you know, you've been in youth ministry. I've been yeah. in youth ministry or you know sports where you pull up a big bus and you pull in and you all are all in line and you just see people walk in the doors and turn right back around and walk That's out right. over and over. That's why we started finding food courts. Just started, we, just go, we started going to malls and food yeah, courts yeah. so that at least it could be distributed. But yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is just a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I sometimes I tried to call ahead and be like, hey, so about this time yeah. you're gonna have 20 students showing up. Anyway, uh, they usually were still surprised. Um, yeah, where were we? Verse uh, 14 or 15, or no, 14 says this. So, so they say, go buy food for these people, or Jesus said that. And 14 says, for there were about 5,000 men, and you made it a point to say, yeah. hey, they're, they counted men. When it yeah, says households. men here. 5,000 households. Yeah, yeah. 5,000 So households. think about this. Now, we know the story. Very few people have not heard the feeding of the multitudes. Right. But imagine this the very first time you heard this out loud. They wouldn't have been reading it. Someone would have gotten a copy of this or Matthew or Mark, and they had been reading out loud. And for the first time when someone hears that, yeah. They are thinking of Bethsaida or Saida, right? And it's a small little town. So when they've heard about crowds, they're guessing 50 to 100. Yeah, like this. So when all of a sudden you hear this 20,000 number, whatever it is, and that first time there would have been an audible gasp. Like, yeah. what? That, like, this is... This is beyond mind-boggling for yeah. that first-century person, for that many people people to be there and be in that situation where there's no food. Yeah, like right. this is a very, very significant limitation. Right. Their backs are against the wall, and people are astonished yeah. by even hearing it. And for us, I mean, we have conferences and conventions. Oh, maybe I hate them. Maybe All those people. Oh, oh. Maybe COVID's impacted that. But I mean, that to hear five thousand. Like I've been at youth gatherings with yeah. five thousand students, and it's impressive. But it doesn't seem like that is that challenging but that's also taking in consideration how people traveled back in the day like, yeah but if you send them out to the local restaurants yeah. you get to them and you're waiting outside and going oh this is yeah. such a mess and so yeah yeah so jesus has them so five thousand men and he said to his disciples have them sit down in groups of about 50 each and they did so and uh, um and had them all sit down i'm curious is there any significance to that groups of 50 is there anything is that jesus just being really good organizationally like hey let's uh manage these groups so i had uh, growing up in our fundamental baptist church world there were some real like numerologists okay who really loved number okay. like the number stuff but they would talk about it with such confidence <laughs> like this like to the point where if you divide this multiply this take the square to this then this is the day that jesus is going to come back right yeah <laughs> isaac newton was pretty into that stuff too like isaac newton brilliant 
Christian, by the way, uh, really did have some like really weird themes. He had a couple of different predictions. One's already passed. I think one's still coming up of when that would happen. And so I've almost shut down almost all numerology stuff. Okay. Like I don't, I don't spend any time on it. Like even the hundred forty-four thousand in Revelation, you yeah. know, like Jehovah's Witness were that to us. I'm like, then you should stop telling other people. Yeah. You know, like that's one of the interesting things about it. So you got that one, and like that's the Jews, according to you know Tim LaHaye, that are going to come. I don't, I just don't know. And so yeah. like, and I'm a numbers guy, and I love numbers, and you know, have a degree in math, and so, but that stuff, like, I, I, I don't know. All that to say, <laughs> I think there is, I think there's something to say about Jesus being a systems guy, yeah. right? So. Uh, we go, well, you know, there's always this work of the Spirit. Yes, there is, but in this, there's a direct order that there is a system in place that Jesus says divide them up in groups of 50, and they obeyed. So um, it tells me that the sometimes order and direction are really important, even yeah. within in, in Christendom or, or yeah. the kingdom, right? Yeah. So. And that's even, I wonder if that's how we get the number of 5,000. Like, yeah. because, you know, one of the yeah. disciples, is, as Luke yeah. is talking, maybe he remembers, well, there was, there was groups of 50, and I think we had about however many. How many? Yeah. hundred. Um, so verse 16 says this. It says, And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked You've the forgotten heaven. they all sat down. That's actually no, pretty... I said That's pretty astonishing, it. actually. <laughs> now, they were able to convince all those guys to get in groups and, and sit, sit down. down. Like, I think that's pretty neat. I don't know how long it takes, but it takes a while. But, did did yeah. they count the children then, too? Like, were the kids sitting? or? Yeah, I don't know. Were so, they anticipating? If it says they all sat down, I don't know if it's just the men. I don't know. But, like, if you're getting all those kids to sit down, that, that is that's impressive. impressive. Yeah. Like, yeah, for how long? And 16, uh, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up and said a blessing over them. Um, then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. So that's pretty much the text other than Mark, which we'll get to yeah. in, in just a second. So, like, I, I don't know. Any any thoughts on that? Yeah, so, I, you know, I, I spent some time being curious about the looked up to heaven. Because it's okay. like, we, heaven is not like some place in the clouds. So it's like, yeah. I mean, heaven is available. God is available. His Spirit's available. So, what, Jesus, what are you doing here, right? Like, so why are you looking up? And I don't have any answers. I can't figure it out. Uh, uh, I mean, he's going to ascend that way. So, there is kind of this assumption that's just going to happen throughout the history of the world that people look up, right, and think of that as heaven. And so, I do think it's pretty important that while Jesus is doing this great work, he's still pointing it to his Father in heaven, yeah. right? So, it begins with acknowledging it towards God, right? And it even says in there that he said a blessing over them. So it's weird. He looked up to heaven, but then he said a blessing over them, right? So it's like, usually you ask a blessing, right? right? Who's going to, you know, like when you say the blessing, you really mean ask God to bless the food, not that you're doing it. But he says a blessing. It's interesting. His, his posture is towards God, but he's declaring it as God. So there's just something pretty neat about yeah. this moment for all these people. And so they're all sitting there and watching, and everybody at this point He's got their attention. Yeah. Why is he putting us in groups? He's holding these things up. What's going on? So this is moved from, you know, some whatever teaching, grabbing the, you know, the scrolls. And this is a brand new moment that these 20,000 people will never forget for whatever yeah. it is. And so as he does it, you go, why does he do it this way? And I guarantee it's because he wants them to see, like, when our limits meet his limitlessness. Like, we have, like, that's why I love that image of let me out. Like, like there is, a, God has no bounds. Mm. He has no bounds. And so, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what 
God has prepared for those who love him. And so there's this moment, none of them are predicting this. They don't know at all what's going on, and God is about to show that he is boundless, right? And so really, really important to see there. So that is, like, that's the position, and they're going to see it. And then that piece of he blesses it, yeah, right? They give it to him. They give whatever they have. Like someone was going to get a meal of it. They give it to Jesus, and that is kind of the principle of multiplication. That's why I see people all the time use this passage to talk about tithing. Say, even if you don't have enough, you give it to God. He'll bless it, and then it'll be more. And I just don't want to dangle any carrots. I believe it's accurate. I believe yeah. that there's something about trusting God and go, no, there's no way. God, I don't, I don't know. And I've heard the stories over and over again of people going, I'm going to prioritize my first fruits or my tithe, and I'm going to give it to God. And I don't. I look at the end. There's just not enough, and something happens over and over and over again. And this is why I do think it's really important um, when we think about even the Old Testament. It's that God tells us to test Him in this, and He says something so strange that I didn't get to talk about on Sunday. And see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour yeah. out my blessings on you. So it's actually when we bring this to God, and so there's something about you really want to know whether or not this is real. Like there is actually a way by which you can see and experience it. And the way you do it, you can actually test Him on this, and you actually bring Him that and watch him with your limited supply somehow divide it up show that it's not enough and then use it as a source of great blessing and floodgates as the scriptures say of blessing and I know people I know really generous people who who are so confident in this because they've done it over and over again and I know people who really really struggle financially who have never once thought maybe I should with these limits trust God right and so something for you to consider and think about Again, as you know, at our church, we don't talk about money much. We don't pass an offering plate. There's some baskets you can trust God with. There, there's some barrels out and you can give online. But this is something that I tell you over and over again. Good news is God doesn't want your money. The bad news is he wants a lot more than that in your heart. And so as we bring those things, the Bible does tell us where our treasure is. That's where our heart is. So it certainly seems to imply that our heart's tethered to our money and our treasure. And so wherever your heart goes, your treasure's following it. Or wherever your treasure goes, your heart's following it. And so... At some point, we have to go, is God who we treasure? And if so, does our life reflect that? And again, not because we weren't trying to get you to help us pay our mortgage, but because I really do want good for you. And so we're pretty cautious about how we talk about it. And yet, look at this and go, yep, there is actually a principle of multiplication here. Yeah. We acknowledge our limits. We bring it before God. He blesses it. We even come more, con we draw more conclusions about how broken and incapable we are to meet the needs, even after we give it to him and he blesses it. Yeah. But then as we start to be generous, as we start to give it out, as we start to obey God, that's where we actually see the real, the real evidence of God's um, salvation yeah. and his Balance. Uh, I feel no, like you, no, you answered the yeah. question that I, I feel like I was going yeah. to ask, where you talk about the blessed, broken, and yeah. given. Like, I, I guess in that, is there anything more that you wanted to add to that? Because I feel like that was, that. I think you literally just answered, like, yeah. hey, explain that more. But Yeah, so I just think, um, yeah, it's so weird. Like, I, I find so much um, apprehension talking about it. Because mm. I've just heard, you know, the churches want you money. I don't. I don't want anybody's money, but I, I do feel a big burden to make sure every penny here is divided up and goes straight to the kingdom, right? Because when God has entrusted us to, he's given us to, to go into the kingdom, go into the kingdom. And so so I, I just, I don't know, I, I would challenge you to try it. I challenge you to trust God in this area, especially if it's an area that you go, I've met my limits. And go, hey, you can do this. We can help. But I just, I just think it just takes a level of obedience. And no amount of preaching, no amount of talking, no amount of discussion, no amount of offering plate passing is going to help. Because as 
There's shame and guilt are a terrible motivator. God actually says he loves a cheerful giver. So there has to be something that has a switch in us that we go, I can't wait to take this to God for it to be blessed and for me to be able to use it for his kingdom. Because that is the goal of this blessing. It wasn't just for Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and Bartholomew, and you know Matthew, and Judas, and the other Judas all to eat. Yeah. The goal was to actually be a conduit. No, they, they reaped some of the benefits for it. They yeah. took home 12 baskets probably. But they, they also served the people around them. And so yeah. there's something in that to go, all these things I've given, even my limits, they, they certainly seems to imply that the, the, these limits, when met with God's limitlessness, creates yeah. this supernatural moment, but it's for the good of his world and the bringing of his kingdom. I, I don't want to dwell too much on this, yeah. the, you know, John 6, 9, the little boy there. Um, but I feel like as I grew up, that was something, there was a, even a song that was just a little bit is more than enough. And I always looked at that, not just in financial. Like, I think that you can apply that there, but I feel like I almost found encouragement as I was growing up of going, well, I don't feel I'm very good at this. Yeah. And I'm going, but that little boy only had two, yeah. uh, five loads and two and fish. Two sardines, so, yep. five biscuits, two sardines. So yep. maybe it's enough. Like, so yeah. I, I found encouragement in that. Yeah, and so this, I mean, this, this has so many principles. Yeah. Not, not even money. This has principles to your gifts. Well, I don't have very many. Well, whatever you have, God wants you to give. He wants you right. to bless it. Right. Yep, we're not that gifted. I can't sing. That's not my gifting, right? But it might be yours, right? I don't play yeah. any instruments. It's not my gifting, but it might be yours, right? I don't, I, all I do is talk. That's basically it, don't you, you know, and so, so messed up. And so, but even with your time, you're going, how in the world do people have time to read the Bible? Well, let's acknowledge it's a limitation and go, there's no way I can give God 30 minutes of my time because I don't have enough time already. Well, what if you start with that and see what happens <laughs> yeah. with it? And so this is, there's lots of different places to start applying this in terms of how you operate. I don't have enough food, but what if you start sharing it with others? Let's see what happens as we trust God with it. So. Um, yeah. So I guess we've got a few minutes left. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to kind of make our way over to Mark. So Mark chapter 8, verses, I think it was 14 through 21. Um, kind of, I won't read through it, but just say, um, Jesus is kind of saying, hey, be careful of the leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees. Yeah. So he says two different types there. He says the yeast of the Pharisees and of, uh, I want to say it's Herod and the leaven of okay. Herod, right? So you got the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod. And so what I kind of want to highlight was, those are both real issues in our life. And that, these are the things that pop into our hearts and grow to kind of a place where everything's ruined, right? And so, for example, having some rituals in your life and some routines is really, really good, right? But the minute you think everybody else should have your routines and create this legalism from it, that's not good, right? So that these things that set out good are are good at, just for a small amount. So this leaven of the Pharisees, right? It's like having some rules, getting up on the same day, honoring the Sabbath, doing all those things, uh, you know, um, celebrating the Passover, offering lambs to God. All of that is beautiful. Mm. But when that becomes the thing, it comes in and now it just takes hold of your life. And you all know some fundamental folks who this is just taking hold of their life, like screaming at people because they have a hat on in a, in a building or, you know, like just whatever those things are, that it just becomes about the, the practice of the thing. And, and, and same thing with the, the leaven of Herod. It's kind of like, look, government's not a bad thing. God gave us government for safety, right? And the good of people. And so 
It's not bad to practice government. It's not bad to vote. You should vote. It's a civic duty I would offer. And that is something that we should steward because we have been given authority. Like millions and billions of people throughout the history of the world never got to speak into their government system. So we should. So there are things that we should do there. But what happens is we go, government can be a good thing for the good of people. Government can provide safety and protection and organization. Find it all the way back in Romans, right? Those are good things. But then all of a sudden that thing kind of starts to increase. And you see people who politically have to align themselves fully and know Christianity follows their political leaning on both sides by the way right mm-hmm. so if you're if you're running up that's that the other side no no it's on both sides of this and so what you see is something that a little bit of isn't bad but as it starts to grow it literally is this cancer that can take over and ruin something and so when he says these two things it's like oh my gosh that's exactly what it is now mm-hmm. yep religion boy my performance having other people performing politics boy if you believe how I believe think how I think wear what I wear whatever those things are but both of those are really creating some real damage so it goes there but it's interesting because they weren't talking about that they were thinking they were hungry yeah. right and so Jesus is going yeah let me just point these things out you think that your performance is uh, you think that your your salvation the things that you have, the things that you earn. Like, I'm not talking about salvation all the way into heaven. I'm talking about that you make it to the next day. Come from your performance, from your religion, or come from your government. Both of those are lies from the pits of hell. And they're going, whoa, then there's a, you didn't bring it, so who's supposed to bring the food, right? Did nobody brought, like, that kind of thing. And this is where Jesus goes. Guys, do you not remember? Yeah. Like, it's just, and it just highlights this thing that we have to keep coming back to this. This isn't a, we our propensity is to kind of drag ourselves back out of the fire because hmm. sometimes it feels really awkward right in the middle of that all-consuming thing and we got to bring ourselves back in the way that uh, Jesus tells us in Romans chapter 12 is offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing for that is your spiritual act of worship hmm. and so literally he's saying we have to offer ourselves as a sacrifice the problem is we are we are live animals try to offer a live animal to the altar what does it do unless it's tethered to that altar it's moving away hmm. and so our propensity is just to walk away so Jesus is going your propensity is to forget that I am good and that I am in charge and your propensity is to move back to you thinking you're in charge and you're in control and, and so they have this bread issue and that's why Jesus goes guys what just happened They're like did I not feed you know this many people yep how many loaves seven well how many baskets left over seven Jesus and you know the time I fed with five loaves and you know how many people do we feed yep yep how many baskets twelve Jesus so he's just reminding them that he continues to give them his goodness all the time and so I am convinced the way that happens is for us to be tethered together in community, reminding each other of God's faithfulness and God's goodness in our lives and in other lives. So we're reminding people of that. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think it's interesting that it gives the number seven and the number 12. Again, I'm not into numerology, but there's some neat things to go. There's plenty of, uh, there's plenty of food left. And the big piece of that is they all ate and were satisfied. And mm-hmm. I would just say, and that's what we're kind of wrapping up with in this thought is, like, you can be satisfied. Yeah. And I, I would have said that to you a year ago as someone who wasn't satisfied. So let me tell you from not the, like the cognitive, but from the experiential. It is possible to be satisfied. There is a well that does not run dry. Jesus actually refers to himself as the bread of life. If you eat from it or, uh, you know, living water, if you drink from it, you will never thirst again. What if that's true? And what if the way that we experience that is continuing to bring ourselves back and all of our limitations and all from Jesus and watching him continue to not only meet our needs, exceed our needs, and through us meet the needs of the world around us? 
which I think is really, really important. So I don't know if you have any other questions or thoughts. No, I have one more I, thing I'll wrap up I, with. And stuff. So I did share with you this week and just want to remind you that one of the things that we did is going pretty neat. Jesus fed a bunch of people and guess what? A lot of them weren't Christians. A lot of them weren't followers yet. Some of them probably became followers of that. Some of them didn't, but Jesus still met their needs because he loved them and cared for them. <laughs> and literally in one of the passages, he said that he had compassion on them because they are like a sh sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus had deep compassion. That's how we know, I think, about the 4,000 that he feeds them in that white sheep without a shepherd, right? And so we just said, hey, here's one of the neat things that uh, we challenge you to do is what would it look like to go and meet the needs or even just celebrate people and honor people? And, hey, we'll help you do that. So we have all these half dozen sets of coupons at our church that you can take the Dunkin' Donuts and go buy a I pick up for free half a dozen donuts and take them somewhere. And what we challenged you with is, hey, could you add one to it, right? So that makes it seven. Take seven donuts. So you're at least paying something when you go through the Dunkin' Donuts line. Or could you add six to it and get, you know, half a, a, a full dozen donuts mm -hmm. in that mix so that you can actually go and take them somewhere and start meeting the needs of the people. So God has given us some things to do and some ways that what you do it. And so I, I just looked at this morning. We had, you know, 37 sets. I think right now I think we're at, like, at a little less than a dozen, 10, 11. So still keep coming on by there. Uh, out in the main lobby, you'll see them if you come to the coffee shop that's open 6.30 to 12, Monday to Friday. So there's still some there, but you don't need the coupons. You can yeah. go do that yourself, or you can go to Capriati's and buy some sandwiches, yeah. or you can go uh, to Aurora's and buy some pizzas and start actually meeting the needs of people and just yeah. going to declaring the goodness of who God is. And it's okay to take this to them and go, Look, God's just been really gracious to me, and I just want to be gracious to people. So would you please enjoy and see it as a gift from a God, from the God who loves you, right? Be that bold in that double-dog area. Let's start speaking this stuff, and let's start seeing it be brought about. That's the challenge. So come by, get some donuts, take them to some people, love them, and pray for them while you're there. Yeah. Well, that is pretty much all the time that we have for today. We want to thank you guys so much for joining us, whether you're watching this live, again, or you're catching this on Facebook, on our website, or wherever you actually catch your podcast. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Always want to encourage you, if you have questions, feel free to email us overtime at clcfamily.church, or you can simply text us. The number is 610-869-2140. You can just text whatever question you have. We always love when you are part of the discussion and conversation. So thanks for those that submitted questions. Thanks for, for Mags for joining us online. Love the engagement there. And uh, we hope you guys have a blessed week. So thanks. And we're down.